Well, good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. I think that just about every parent with young ones at home is frustrated and worried about the shortage of children's over-the-counter medications right now. And unfortunately, this shortage is an issue across the country, with Alberta being in the same boat as all the other provinces. It's distressing to our families and to our healthcare professionals when symptoms can't be treated at home. Many families are feeling overwhelmed, dealing with especially fevers, coughs, and other issues with their kids. It's one more thing parents have to worry about, and it's yet another pressure placed on our strained public health care system. But there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that's why your government is taking action to help provide the medication Alberta families need. I'm happy to announce that we have secured a supply of 5 million bottles of children's acetaminophen and ibuprofen for Alberta families. Right now, your government is working with Alberta Health Services and Health Canada on the details and logistics to import this medicine. And you can feel confident that we are all moving as quickly as we can so that Alberta families can get what they need. And it will be available at your local pharmacy in short order once it arrives. I know there's still more work to do, and I want you to know that your government is listening. I truly hope that this new supply will provide a little bit more comfort and relief to our families. I'd now like to invite Minister Copping to provide you with some of the details. Minister Copping. Thank you, Premier, and good morning, everyone. As, as Premier Smith noted, the past few weeks have been incredibly challenging for parents, for caregivers, for healthcare professionals, and for our entire healthcare system. When our kids are sick, we will do whatever it takes to help them. And, and quite frankly, as a parent, I know how helpless you can feel when your child isn't feeling well and how you want to do everything in your power to make them feel better. Our Alberta families have shown amazing strength and resilience, resiliency during this trying time. Uh, doing their best to find ways to address the shortage and bring relief to Albertans' kids. Uh, we know that things haven't been easy for Alberta families, and we're hoping the measures announced today will help make things better. I also want to thank our healthcare professionals and our hospitals for providing the very best care to our province's children while also managing all their other responsibilities. You are the face of the health system, and people turn to you for answers. Not being able to readily answer something as simple as, where can I get Tylenol or Advil has added yet another challenge to your work. We know the pressures you are facing, and this additional supply of medication is also intended to ease the strain that you are under and the strain that's on our healthcare system. So in the days ahead, we'll be working closely with Alberta Health Services and Health Canada to expedite the approval process and get this additional supply to Canada and onto Alberta pharmacy shelves and into hospitals as quickly as possible. We ask for your patience as we work through the process. Once approvals are in place, which should only be a few weeks, the medication will be sent to us in a number of shipments. When a shipment is received, the bottles will be available for ordering by pharmacies across the province and distributed within a couple of days. Each bottle will be available to pharmacies at a price that lets them sell it at the average retail price. This is to make sure that the medication remains affordable for Alberta families. Once we have sufficient stock in our pharmacies and hospitals, we will work with Health Canada to determine how we can share some of this supply with other provinces and territories around the country. Our first priority is making sure children get the medication they need as quickly as possible. And I will commit to sharing updates with Albertans as more information becomes available. 
Now, I'd like now to ask Margaret Wing, CEO of the, of the Alberta Pharmacies Association, to say a few words. Thank you. Margaret? Thank you, Premier Smith and Minister Copping, for inviting me to participate in today's announcement. This announcement could not have come soon enough for the many parents currently seeking pain and fever relief for their children, nor could it have come soon enough for community pharmacists that have certainly struggled to help, the, help their parents and patients as the supply of pediatric acetaminophen and ibuprofen simply hasn't been adequate to meet the current demand. Like many, the community pharmacy Pharmacists have been very grateful to hear about the recent importation of a million bottles by Health Canada, but this amount has simply been enough, not enough to meet the needs across Canada. That is why on behalf of the Alberta Pharmacists Association members, I would like to thank Premier Smith and Minister Copping for elevating this supply issue, making it a priority, and for securing these additional 5 million bottles for our province and making them available to all community pharmacists within the next few weeks. Since this past summer, pharmacists have been struggling to meet this demand that's required Pharmacists have used their expertise and enhanced scope of practice to mitigate the impact of this shortage by acquiring bulk supplies or sourcing ingredients, prescribing alternative medication, and compounding medicines. I would like to thank and acknowledge Alberta's 6,000 pharmacists who have both been out there working to manage numerous medication supplies each and every day. Today's announcement means one less concern for Alberta community pharmacists to worry about for their patients. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. That concludes the formal portion. We'll move to Q&A. Like always, uh, please, one question, one follow-up. We'll start with on the floor. We'll take three on topic first. Go ahead, Janet. Uh, my question is for the Premier, Janet French from CBC. During your leadership campaign, uh, you often spoke about the importance of prevention in healthcare. What steps are you taking to try and prevent children from contracting preventable diseases right now? Is this on topic, Becca? Yeah. I, I hope that uh, the first questions will be on topic. I'm happy to answer other questions at the end. Uh, I think that here's the, here's the fact of the matter. We know that we've been hit with RSV, COVID, and influenza all at once. Sadly, there isn't a vaccine for RSV, and it is the most common childhood illness. And so what people need to know is that when their child gets sick, that they have the medication available to them so that they can treat the symptoms at home. Fever is scary for parents. Um, if a child becomes feverish and dehydrated, um, I was talking to Shivali, the pharmacist here, it can lead to to seizures in the younger children. This is really serious if they can't get acetaminophen to bring the fever down. And that is why we want to make sure parents have access to the medication that they need, because if they can't uh, break the fever, they end up in the hospital rooms. And that is what's causing the pressure on our hospitals, not here, but across the entire country. So I think that our job in providing health services is to make sure that people have the medication that they need so they can treat at home, and also make sure that the hospitals are able to deal with patients efficiently when they show up so that they're not waiting for hours uh, with a lot of distress and worry. So that's how we're being proactive. I would argue that anything to do with preventing the need for Tylenol would be on topic, but 
During previous health crises, um, even before COVID, the chief medical officer of health would be before us answering questions, offering preventative advice, uh, giving updates on, on the status of hospitals and demand for health systems. So why are we not hearing from Dr. Mark Joffe right now? Uh, do you not consider the current situation in hospitals a crisis? This has been an initiative of Alberta Health Services. And I must say that I'm very pleased to see that their procurement uh, process works. I had heard during COVID that uh, the our Alberta Health Services procurement division was very good, but the best in the country at being able to get supply of, of uh, critical equipment. And so when I started uh, hearing from my mom friends and talking about the chat rooms of how um, how panicked parents were, I, I asked them, could you put your good work on procurement to trying to get us a supply of this? And they did. The, um, the Chief Medical Officer of Health had nothing to do with this announcement. This was entirely the Alberta Health Services under the great direction of our, um, our, minister, our health minister, Jason Copping, and I want to give credit where due. I think that they've done a terrific job. Uh, Minister Copping also has done a terrific job in working with our Health Canada counterparts to make sure that we are able to get the we bill that we need to get to, to bring the importation. I think that this is an example of cooperative federalism, of making sure that when we have to take an initiative on addressing critical health needs of our of our of our patients and our population that we do. And then when Health Canada Canada can lend support, they will. So I I think that this is a fantastic news story and I think that the the people who deserve credit for it are are the people in, in Minister Copping's department. Thanks, Premier. Next on-topic question, please. Hi there, Morgan Flack from Global Edmonton. Uh, first questions for the Premier, but if anyone else wants to jump in, that's fine. Um, we've heard from pharmacists they're also starting to see a shortage of antibiotics, um, and compounding pharmacies don't have the raw material to, to even make them in-house. So is that also kind of on the list of things to be addressed, or, or is that still to come? One of the things that we learned about this particular supplier, and they are a generic supplier, is they do have a range of opportunity to help us fill some of the gaps. What, I'm, what I understand is happening is that if parents can't get acetaminophen or ibuprofen, then they start looking at other items that are, are on the shelf. So we know that we also have shortages of allergy medication, and we've also heard antibiotics as well. So they have the ability to produce those. We'll, we'll be working with the Pharmacy Association to identify if there's any other urgent areas that we will have to take this proactive step. I'm, I'm hoping that with the, this particular supplier that's been uh, providing European markets, they've provided 55 markets around the world since 1939, I'm hoping that they will be able to, to assist us if we do end up finding that there are other areas that we need to import more medications. Do you have a follow-up? Yes, I do. Um, so jumping off from the pharmacy angle, obviously we've heard from parents that the Stollery is experiencing long wait times, the Alberta Children's Hospital. So I'm just wondering for a general update on the flu numbers and hospital wait times and, and where we kind of go forward from. Obviously this is a beginning step, but but where I think parents are looking for that relief at the hospital lines too. I, I think one of the reason for this announcement is to make sure that we are providing parents with the medication they need so that they can treat at home and ensure that they can break the fever at home. That's that's the most important step we can do to, to keep the pressure off the hospital. I can turn it over to Minister Copping because he was just telling me of some recent data that he has as they're as they're monitoring the incidence of COVID and influenza. Thanks, Premier. Uh, thanks, Premier, and thanks for the uh, for the question. So, you know, fully appreciate that 
um, the, our hospitals are under, under, under strain uh, and our uh, children's hospitals in particular. Uh, so we're making a number of moves, actually. So we're, we're uh, uh, sourcing other you know, people, so moving in to pro- in, improve capacity uh, in the hospitals. Uh, you've heard at the, at the Calgary Children's, uh, we, we did that recently in terms of moving uh, staff from uh, other services, uh, still, main- still maintaining the services to the greatest extent possible, and this is being done on a, uh, on a temporary basis, but we're moving staff uh, into the children's hospital. Um, we put in, you know, uh, working with uh, Dr. Cowell, uh, which his entire f- focus is on how do we reduce the emergency department wait times and, and how do we improve the flow. So it's not only building capacity in our system, uh, but it's improving the flow. You've seen examples at the Children's Hospital in Calgary. Uh, they put in place a fast track system so they can actually treat immediately and then and not have p- needing people to come necessarily all the way in through the whole system, uh, treat and uh, and have them go home, uh, as well as you know enlarging the the, uh, uh, the weight room just in, in to ensure that people don't need to uh, to wait outside, um, so a number of measures in place short term to deal with this current uh, the current spike, uh, and then longer term we continue to build capacity and improve processes. So that's happening both at the Children's and the uh, the Stollery here in uh, in Edmonton. Uh, Looking at the data right now, uh, the flu wastewater data, it, it, it appears that we have peaked, so that's coming down. And we actually look at the uh, the numbers in terms of absenteeism in the schools, both in Calgary and in Edmonton. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, three weeks ago in in, uh, in Edmonton, thereabouts, it was about 15%. In Calgary, two weeks ago, it has now dropped to 5 and 7% uh, respectively. Uh, so it looks like that the uh, the number, the transmission in the community um, is coming down. Uh, now, it takes a little time for that to actually show up in the hospitals, uh, but we expect that you know uh, the, the pressure on the hospitals to come down. Um, we are taking actions right now to be able to improve the flow through and get the emergency department wait times down. And this is short term in terms of moving staff around, and then medium to longer term, it's improving the processes and continuing to add staff because you know our government has invested an additional six hundred million dollars this year uh, into our uh, our healthcare system. We're spending twenty two billion, the, the highest amount ever uh, in the system, and a lot of that is focused on on building capacity. Now that takes time, um, but we get through the uh, the current bout of flu uh, that we're facing right now. We'll continue to build. There's going to be another bout of flu. Like typically, you have a couple in a season. Uh, so, you know, expectations that we may very well have another one uh, uh, next year. But, you know, between, you know, now and, and uh, you know, two to three months from now, I can't tell you exactly when that's going to happen. But we are continuing to build uh, capacity uh, with Dr. Cowell taking the lead and working with our great people, uh, frontline workers, in terms of how do we do this and, and do this effectively so we can get the emergency department wait times down. Thanks, Minister. We'll take one more from the floor on topic and then we'll head to uh, phone lines. Go ahead, Audrey. Hi, Audrey Never from French CBC. My question is for either you, Minister or Premier. When we get the medication, will there be any limits in place to prevent hoarding to ensure that everybody that needs it can access it? Yeah, so so we are working through all the details on that right now. Um, the first step really is to get Health Canada approval. So, you know, thank the federal government for working with us to do that as quickly as possible. Uh, and then we expect the... Uh, the um, uh, the sh- you know, once that's done with next, you know, two to three weeks, hopefully, um, then we can get the shipments in. Uh, and then we're going to wor- work in terms of the uh, distributing will happen very quickly. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we want to ensure that people have access to it. We will have, you know, we're bringing in uh, over this period of time, five million, uh, five million bo- bottles. So, you know, uh, we'll have to have a conversation with the, with the pharmacies. Do we actually need to put that measures in place? Or if there's enough comfort that there is a supply, then you won't get the hoarding. But we're going to have to talk through that over the next number of weeks. 
And you just gave a, a little bit of an outline for the timeline, but are you confident we'll get that medication in time for Christmas, which we anticipate will, you know, probably spread illness further? Yeah, we're, we're working, we're going to be working very hard uh, at that and, and again have had conversations with the federal government to get the, uh, um, to fast track the approvals. The, the good news is, is this, this is not an unknown entity, um, you know, to the, uh, to uh, Health Canada. Uh, they've already provided the certificates uh, on that and, uh, and again, pleased to be working with the federal government to actually make, move this as quickly as possible. All right, operator, let's go to the first caller. Karen Levitt, Toronto Star. Yeah, thanks for taking my question. Um, this is for the Premier. Um, Premier, we've seen now there's, uh, you know, quite the walk back happening um, at the caucus level around the Sovereignty Act. Um, but, you know, I've got to ask you, like, we heard for days that caucus had lots of input, cabinet ministers had lots of input on this bill. You know, it was well thought through. Um, and then, you know, this bill gets rolled out and a bunch of issues are, are addressed. Uh, from experts and reporters, um, and then, you know, for days we hear from you and your ministers that, um, you know, there there is no need to change anything in this bill. There's there's nothing wrong with it. You say yourself that this bill does not give power to unilaterally change legislation to ministers. So, you know, I got to ask, like, why did you and your ministers feel it was necessary to mislead Albertans about the bill? before agreeing to amend it. The the intent of the bill was always to make sure that we started any process where we would be asserting our constitutional rights and, and protection of charter rights with the legislature. Um, the way the bill was initially uh, drafted was to give that pre-approval and direction to, to cabinet. And our, our caucus felt that there were a couple of things that needed to be changed to make it very clear that there would be no additional statutory changes without it coming back to the legislature. So we've clarified that with the amendment. We also intended to just assert our constitutional rights under Section 92 to 95 of the of the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And so our caucus wanted to make it clear that those would be the, the lens of harm that we're looking at is, does it violate our constitutional and charter rights? That's always been my intention. And the, uh, the, the, the wording of the legislation appeared unclear to our caucus members, so they asked for some revisions, and I was, well, I was happy to accept them. Okay, just to follow up on that. I mean, you yourself stood up and said that the bill does not give cabinet ministers unilateral power to change legislation behind closed doors. And then we see that, you know, caucuses bring, wants these amendments to explicitly change the bill so that it takes away that power. Yeah, how do you expect Albertans to trust you after this? Look, bills go through three readings for a reason. You uh, see the bill for the first time when it's introduced into the legislature to be read. That's where you can see if the actual wording of the legislation matches the intent. And so you talk about the intent of the of the bill in second reading. And then if there are things that need to be changed, it's committee of the whole and you make amendments. And then once you have an amended bill, it goes to third reading. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why we go through this legislative process. This is not out of the ordinary that if you have certain wording that it needs to be clarified, this is the process that you use and that's what we're doing. Thanks operator. Next caller, please. Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Uh, Good morning, Premier. Um, I'm going to make this real short and real easy. In your TV address to Albertans, you said, and I'm just paraphrasing you here, 
that like Ralph Klein, who you admire a lot, um, if you make a mistake, you'll admit you're wrong, and then we can all move on. Something like that, I think, was the paraphrase. For a week, we had quite the firestorm over the Sovereignty Act. There were tremendous misunderstandings, which even made their way to the ears of your MLAs. Do you think that you made a mistake in the way that the Sovereignty Act was rolled out? Well, this, the Sovereignty Act wasn't perfect in its wording. That's why it's being amended. There are a couple of clarifications that we needed to make. One was what actual harm is, and that clarification has been made. And the other was that if there are any statutory changes, it comes back to the legislature. So I just look at this as part of the process, that uh, you don't introduce bills uh, without three readings. No, uh, for, I mean, you, you introduce bills with three readings for a reason, is that if there are, are changes that need to be made, there's a process for it. And so I'm mindful that when my caucus raises concerns, I want to take them seriously, and I want them to feel comfortable with this legislation. We had lots of go-rounds on this. This bill. Um, it's, it's part of the reason why it appeared in the form that it did, is it had gro- lots of input. But uh, if there was some confusing wording and some clarifying uh, amendments that we needed to put in, I let my caucus know I'm happy to do that. And so they put forward a couple yesterday. I've accepted, uh, the, I have accepted them because it, it is the intent of the bill to do exactly what those amendments are, are, are going to do. It clarifies it, and, and we're going to be able to pass it and move on. Thank you. Thanks, Premier. Next question. And, and the supplementary question is, I realize polls are polls are polls, and the only poll that really matters is obviously on Election Day. Um, but still, in a recent poll that came out on the weekend, and it's a Leger poll, and they're a very reputable polling firm, uh, it basically said that when Al- Albertans they polled were asked whether the Sovereignty Act was necessary, um, it was about a third. It was, I believe, 32% said necessary in order to stand up to Alberta. It, everybody agreed you, you have to stand up to Ottawa, to Ottawa. So it was 32% said this bill was necessary, 29% in Calgary, and not even a majority even outside the cities. How do you account for that? I mean, does that cause you to reflect on on this whole exercise? I think people are keeping an open mind. People want us to fight Ottawa when they intervene in our areas of jurisdiction. We got a 62% mandate to push back against Ottawa and their unfair uh, levying of, of equalization. And so we need to put the tools in place to push Ottawa back into its own lane. We just saw another example of how the federal government treats us unfairly. When uh, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation revealed that when the when the carbon tax is fully implemented... Albertans are going to be paying 37 cents a litre in federal carbon tax, and Quebec is only going to be paying 23 cents a litre. It's absurd to me that SUV drivers in Quebec are going to have cheaper gasoline and diesel prices than Alberta, where we produce the product and refine it. So these are the kind of things that the federal government does all the time. And in my view, I don't think that's constitutional. I don't think it's legitimate for them to have one set of rules that applies to Quebec and a different set of rules that applies to the rest of us. So I'm looking for these kinds of examples, and we now have the tools in place to be able to challenge them. Once this Sovereignty Act is passed, I've asked my ministers to identify more examples like that, and we're going to make sure that we defend Alberta's jurisdiction. The federal government, through the past year, with Environment Minister Stephen Gibbeau, 
has been doing hit after hit after hit on our industry. They have not been acting in a collaborative way. They've proposed a 30% fertilizer uh, emissions reduction and a 42% oil and natural gas emissions reduction by 2030, which we know is unachievable. We don't have the technology to do it or the time to do it. It's a de facto production cap. And it is a violation in, of, the, of the Constitution and our right to develop our resources. So with the Sovereignty Act, we now have the ability to push them back in their own lane. And those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. That, and I, I believe that Albertans want me to stand up to, um, to Ottawa and make sure that we're defending our interests. Thanks, Premier. Next caller, please. Catherine Grigowski, Alberta Today. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, so last year around this time, there was about $80 million in grants for um, research and production of vaccines, and now we're seeing this um, shortage of, of Tylenol and other, other products. Will there be any long-term strategy for domestic manufacturing of pharmaceuticals, or is this just going to keep being a one-off announcement every year? So we are uh, working uh, and chatting with other provinces and also uh, with Health Canada in terms of what is a longer-term approach to this because, you know, uh, we don't have the production here in Canada. What are the approaches that we can actually take to actually be able to do the manufacturing here? Again, uh, hats off to uh, AHS uh, to be able to reach out and use their network to go uh, procure uh uh, this from uh, overseas and be able to bring this in here, um, but we recognize that we, you know, uh, it's it's important that we actually have ability to manufacture uh, in the province and and in Canada, um, as well as be able to be able to procure from multiple locations uh, around the world. Uh, so that's something that uh, we we are talking about. Um, we haven't you know finalized any plans at this point in time, uh, but we are actually looking at you know how do we ensure that um, we have capacity and we have uh, supply chains and good sourcing uh, from multiple sources, including here in Canada. Do you have a follow-up, Catherine? Yeah, and um, I know the details are still being worked out on the anti-hoarding, anti-panic buying. Is, is that something that is going to be done by individual pharmacies, or is it something where the province is going to come up with a set of rules? So this is something that we're going to have a conversation with the association in terms of what makes the most amount of sense. Um, do you want to weigh in, Margaret? Margaret, do you want to weigh in on this one? Yeah. They already have a sign on the, on the shelf here saying you yeah. have to get it behind yeah. the counter. Thank you. Um, so I'm Margaret Wing with the Pharmacists Association, and what I can assure you is that pharmacists have been very actively uh, working in this space to ensure that the allocation of medication coming in is getting to those that actually need the medications. They have a very thorough patient assessment process and have certainly um, been taking full professional responsibility to ensure that they can manage this and do their best to um, prevent any hoarding that might occur. With the recent shipment that has come in federally, and Alberta has received an allocation of that, there is now a supply of um, Tylenol in the province, and pharmacists are predominantly mostly keeping it behind the counter so that they can interact with each uh, parent or patient that is seeking it and do proper patient assessment. So we haven't seen um, the hoarding that uh, happened perhaps prior to this uh, last allocation coming in. 
Thank you. And operator, can we go to our final question? Carrie Tate, Globe and Mail. Hi, thanks for taking my question. It's for the Premier. Premier, I'm curious, with proposed amendments to the Sovereignty Act that would take away the Cabinet's ability to rewrite laws, but Cabinet would still have the ability to tinker with regulations, uh, Cabinet already has that ability. I'm wondering what's the point of the Sovereignty Act now? The, the point of the Sovereignty Act is to get legislative approval to make sure that we take every action we can to assert our rights against the federal government when they're interfering in our areas of jurisdiction. Yeah, the entire process starts with the legislature. If we're going to take action to issue change regulations or issue directives or make policy changes or do ministerial orders, we want to get the pre-approval from the elected members of the legislature. It's a little bit different than in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan uh, has passed a similar type of legislation, but they go, they send it off to a tribunal. I thought it was important that any any action that we take against the federal government to defend our rights is going to be approved by the, the legislative assembly. So that's the, the reason for it. Do you have a follow-up? But as it is right, yes, thank you. As it is right now, cabinet has the right to change regulations. Um, this is almost adding red tape. Why are you adding to a, a process that is already approved? Because I, I want legislative approval. I mean, I would look at, for instance, the actions that uh, we intend to take to ensure that we are not being forced to. Uh, to confiscate legally purchased firearms from the federal government. That, that's the kind of thing that I, I think we should be open about, legis about debating in the, in the legislature. But we do have the power to be able to say that uh, property and civil rights are provincial jurisdiction, policing administration is provincial jurisdiction, our policing contract, we get to set the priorities. And those are the kind of things that we actually do have the, uh, the, the right to be able to push back on. I, so that's one example, and there'll probably be others. But these are the kind of things, when we're taking action against Ottawa, I want, uh, I want the debate to take place in the legislature so that everybody is on board with the, pro with the actions that we are going to take at the cabinet level. It's giving legislature the power to direct cabinet, which is actually kind of a reversal of how uh, law, lawmaking normally works. And so it's, it's but it's, I think it's an important part of the process because this is going to change the relationship with the rest of the country. We're putting up a shield and we are not going to allow the federal government to interfere in our areas of jurisdiction. They've got to follow the constitution. Hey, thanks everybody. Thank you.